Sorry, that was you got me in a moment there. <laughs> no, that's exactly how I wanted to kick us up here. Get that energy rocking and rolling. I'm ready to go fight in the Kumite. I don't know about you guys. Oh yeah. Uh, welcome back to State of the Franchise. I am your host, Tom Stadler, here, of course, with the, the Kumite champion over there, Fred Dakin. Hey, Tom. How's it going? I'm doing pretty well today, Fred. How are you? I'm feeling loose. I'm feeling loose enough. I could get on the ground and I could do a split. Oh, I got to see proof. We're going to post <laughs> proof on our new Facebook page. If you all haven't started following State of the Franchise on Facebook, come and find us and give us a like. This week, as we talk about on State of the Franchise, franchises of all shapes, sizes, backgrounds, genres, and types, uh, we are talking about the filmography of one Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes, this is kind of like in like the spirit of the Giacchino. We have a person who is a little bit of a franchise player, but as themselves... Is kind of a franchise. Yeah. Especially this person, Jean-Claude Van Damme. I mean, the man who really doesn't need much introduction, but for anybody who's not aware, is the muscles from Brussels, Belgian-born, Jean-Claude Camus Francois Van Verenberg. I got very German right there. <laughs> it works. I guess. Um, Jean-Claude, big action star from the 80s that got popular over the 90s and kind of fell into not obscurity but not with us no not with us and number, not with our guest either yeah number one in our heart and the heart of our guest mr scott volmer scott welcome to the show hello happy to be here and talking about jean-claude jean-claude van damme scott what's uh what's the first thing you think of when you think of jean-claude uh, it's gotta be the splits. It's gotta, and the smile, you know, the, the splits smile. and the smile. Splits and the smile. So yeah. it's basically just that, that gif all in one. Mm -hmm. yeah. Speaking of splits and smiles, we know Scott from way back when, and you know, we don't like to talk about this, but we used to be on a championship winning uh, oh, Fred. improv team. We don't talk about, we don't talk about father figures. No, <laughs> not the, the dual champion. Father figures, or six-time, seven-time dual champions. Oh yeah, with the trophy. There's a trophy around. There's a Go trophy around. somewhere. Yeah, I've seen it. It's at the theater right now. We are, uh, but we don't talk about that here. No, we put that on the past. We're moving on to the future. It's the Bruno of the state of the franchise. Is the father figures? <laughs> we don't talk about father figures. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, Scott, longtime uh, comedian collaborator, teammate. And yeah, we're happy to have you here. So tell us a little bit about your experience, Scott, with uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. When was like the first time you encountered him? Yeah, it was early in my childhood. And uh, I was trying to think of how I maybe got connected to him. And I think it had to do with the 80s and like how WWF was popular mm -hmm. and at the time. And then then all of a sudden, like Rocky Four came out, you know, and you're like, what's this fighting stuff, you know? <laughs> and then next there was Karate Kid. And you're like, oh, this is fighting with kicking, you know? And like, what are they doing? Um, and then all of a sudden, I think on TBS, they showed Bloodsport. Oh, man. And then after that, it was like, this is what I like, you so know? 
Bloodsport was your intro to him? Yeah, Bloodsport was definitely my intro. And like on TBS, 8 o'clock in the morning, you know, <laughs> after cartoons or something. <laughs> I'm just imagining a little Scott just like going from something like, I don't even know, like Looney Tunes into the John Club and damn movies. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite the transition. I don't know. It would give me a heart attack as a parent, but maybe it's something. That's great, though. Yeah, I think with WWF, it was just normalized, mm-hmm. you know, like probably not that big a deal when you got other guys bleeding and getting beat up for sure. Yeah, I did. I did want to talk about this a little bit more in depth later, but is, there was something about the 80s, right? Like the late 80s, especially early 90s. That was very like fight centric with a lot of our I think content. it was the cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> it probably a, a significant factor in that. But, like, think about all the different properties that involve, like, ninjas or martial arts or even just the movies we're watching with Jean-Claude. Like, I, I constantly think about that, just even being exposed to, like, Power Rangers as a kid. But they even, like, stem from, like, Ninja Turtles. And then it went to, like, Dragon Ball Z. That's episode one on the podcast. Please tune in. <laughs> <laughs> but even, too, around the 80s, like, I think my dad took me to see Rambo in the theater. So, like, wow, it was, like, not a big deal, you know, like, as far as, like, Violence on the screen. Yeah. I I was the test group for that. (laughs) I haven't turned out good. So, no, you feel like you're desensitized to it? We know. Put the gnar on those. Yeah, Scott's like a little bit older than us, but I feel you were the age, like in the 80s, where like stuff was marketed that was R rated, but also to kids. I feel like that was all over the place in the 80s. Like, there was a RoboCop (laughs) TV show, but there's also, like, that's, like, the most hard R movie ever. Yeah. And, like, yeah, A-Team, just, like, revenge-orientated type of, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And Star Wars was huge, and that was... That also was in big on fighting. And oh, for that's sure. That's all I pulled out of Star Wars, honestly. It's like, oh, I can fight with a lightsaber. <laughs> you know? so, so then, yeah... You know who else had that takeaway? George Lucas, because I'm pretty sure that's all he really cared about when it came down to it in those prequels. Jeez. <laughs> well, that and, you know, taxes. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't talk about taxes. We, we don't talk about taxes. <laughs> well, please, Fred, ignore, ignore, ignore what you're seeing in my, uh, my IRS report. I, I also feel you said the magic word when it comes to someone like Jean-Claude Van Damme, which is like... If you got him, dads, because, like, that's how I got introduced to Jean-Claude Van Damme was he was part of the troop of gentlemen that he put on when my mom was out of town and we got pizza was Jean-Claude Van Damme, Arnold, Bruce, you know, Sly Stallone. These were the movies he loved to watch, especially the martial arts themed ones. Yeah. And it was always the big thing where it was like his big deal was this actor does their own stunts and JCVD is kind of one of those guys yeah. like he does a lot of the fighting and like for a movie like kicks kickboxer he directs the choreography and stuff like that i was surprised to find out how many different movies he does do the choreography and like that really is like truly one of his roles that i don't think a lot of people talk about yeah that's always what that was like a um definitely a badge of honor for like my dad was if the guy could actually do fighting because my dad lived in japan oh wow. he uh oh, cool. he was a black belt like mm-hmm. he was that guy like very so he, into japanese stuff he loved those movies and 
big so Bruce Lee he guy. He gave the stamp of approval then to the Van Damme. Definitely. Yeah. But his stamp of approval was like pretty giving, I will say. But definitely like him, Jackie Chan, guys like that who were like actually doing martial arts were definitely guys he was really paying attention to. Mm. Did you get any of the Chuck Norris then? Yes, a lot too? of Chuck yeah. for sure. But I remember like he'd want to, we'd like go to get a movie and I'd always want to get the one with the dog. Like, oh, this is, yeah, it's like written by his brother, and it's a dude. Top Dog's crazy because it's got like him fighting white supremacists or something. Uh, like the plot's real dark for a movie about a guy and with, a dog. With a dog, yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> what was the first Jean Claude Van Damme movie that you watched then, Fred? It's uh, the one I can remember because there was definitely like a blurring together. But I remember Sudden Death because. Oh, wow. I think it was because I was a big Mighty Ducks fan, and it was kind of like <laughs> Die Hard meets Mighty Ducks meets Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, my God. That's quite a mix, too. Mm-hmm. That's probably my... F- that's like my favorite throw on next to my all-time favorite, which I'm going to I'm gonna keep my cards close for now. Ooh, yeah, that keep, that, keep that close to your chest. Well, I'm very jealous that you guys got like two good Jean-Claude Van Damme movies to start with because I'm pretty sure my intro was Street Fighter based on the fact that it was part of like the video game series and i'm like oh great we can like i could like finally see this because i can convince my parents that it's just a video game only to find that it is just a very tough hang that entire film and, and did you stay a fan after seeing that one i think i yeah i mean i always thought jean claude was so cool because i was so young when i watched that movie but I definitely, I don't know. I, I always held him in kind of like, he's cor- sort of corny from an early age. So it's something where it's like, I think I've appreciated him more as time has gone on to what he can do. Because it always just seemed like he was just a muscle guy and that was it. Yeah, I would say definitely those n- late 90s movies, yeah. they'd start getting away from some of the martial arts. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a... It became frustrating as a as a fan for me. For sure, yeah. What kept you coming back then? Was it just the fact that you did like him? Yeah, it was the fact that, yeah, I was hoping for some type of fight scene again. Or, mm-hmm. you know, it's just also the, yeah, the, the branded action, you know, I... I'm hoping he doesn't use a gun, you know, like he's going to go fist to fist with you and you better come up, you know. That was always the thing that came up with my dad or just people I talked to about action movies back in the day. Like he barely touches a gun in this movie, like especially a Jackie Chan movie. <laughs> I always think like doesn't even use a gun once. They would use that in like marketing. and stuff. Right. Like, and that was the uh, during uh, like during baseball, we'd all be waiting in line for like batting practice and there'd be arguments about who was who could kick whose butt um steven seagal or van damme oh but man. the argument was always like seagal's just gonna shoot you you know it's like van damme will actually kick your ass which was always the appeal of seagal to me was that like no matter what he's gonna try to kill you <laughs> he yeah. will shoot you he yeah, doesn't he will give a shoot shit. you yeah he will put a pool cool through your eye yeah <laughs> i feel like we'll, we'll get back to a little bit more of seagal as we get into this a little Bit, but. And also we'll get into Seagal on our episode where we just exclusively cover Seagal. Oh, <laughs> see, now you've been holding out on sports. I might hold out on Seagal. <laughs> like late Seagal, though. Uh, maybe, maybe. Russia years. You know, I'll, I'll put it out there. I don't know if I've actually seen a Steven Seagal movie from start fine. to finish. That's fine. You don't need to. You don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> nope. There's plenty of other gun-wielding 
Charles yeah, there's, Bronson. There's Just so many him. other better choices. I mean, if you're going to have to watch one, watch Above the Law. That's the only one that probably holds up. All right. I'll, I'll take it for that. I mean, before we just talk about Mr. JCVD himself, I mean, as we mentioned, born and raised in Belgium and Brussels, and that's why he's the muscles from Brussels, uh, was enrolled in martial arts at age 10. Jeez. Which is wild. Um, entered a lot of competitions then over the years. And I'm probably going to mispronounce this. It's Shotokan Karate is like his first school of choice. And I'm leaning on anybody who can correct me. Not me, man. No. That sounds right. <laughs> yeah. So it's because his styles ultimately consist of Shotokan and kickboxing. And then he eventually earned his black belt in karate at 18. Wow. Yeah. Started lifting weights to improve his physique, which then he got a Mr. Belgium bodybuilding title. I mean, this guy is really... It's surprising how many different accolades he accomplished in life. Like even as like a professional kickboxer and then also an actor and also a ballerina. Well, yeah, what we're talking about is an athlete, which yeah. is crazy. Like a lot of these guys aren't like trained athletes. They're big dudes. Well, the closest would be Arnold, who's like a bodybuilder, which is an athlete. Yeah. But yeah, I think this would be the closest thing. But you're not seeing Arnold go on stage at the you know New York Ballet and do the Nutcracker or anything, right? Um, it's incredible because, yeah, age 16, he also took a ballet, studied that for five years, as I got to mention. And, uh, yeah, his I, have, I wrote a quote down because I loved this. He said, ballet is an art, but it's also one of the most difficult sports. If you can survive a ballet workout, you can survive a workout in any other sport. Oh, damn. <laughs> It's a high props, right? I will say, I would have loved to see him in Black Swan. (laughs) (laughs) Felt like uh, we missed an opportunity there, right? He's usually playing like double identities or twins. He could have done like a split identity thing for Black Swan. Oh, my God. Now I want this remake like really badly. Oh, yeah. He uh, ended up coming over to the U.S. in 1982 with his childhood friend, Michael Cheesy who you guys might better know is the villain Tong Po in Kickboxer. Oh, wow. So that was his buddy from Belgium where they did uh, odd jobs and worked on several films before he got his break as uh, the lead in Bloodsport. And that pretty much led to the Jean-Claude that we know. He ended up doing Bloodsport. He was offered the lead in Delta Force 2 or American Ninja 3 and chose Cyborg instead. (laughs) So that came out in 89 and then... Went on to do all the rest of his notable works, uh, Universal Soldier, Hard Target, Time Cop. I mentioned Street Fighter. Scott, I know you can name about 20. I'm going to start quizzing you. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. They're up there somewhere. Yeah, Uh, I'll put out now for the three that I haven't seen that are blind spots. The third one's not coming to me now, but it's Time Cop and Street Fighter, I guess, or two. I'll see if I can remember the three, but those are big blind spots that I haven't and seen. Those are the only ones of all his film. Not all of them, but I've seen a lot of deep cut ones. Like, I've seen Lionheart. I've okay. seen From from Hell. I've seen a lot of the smaller ones. Gotcha. Okay. I've, I know. Do you have the fact about how many times he's played twins? No. <laughs> it's four or five. Yeah. It's he's ridiculous. Digging, digging that well constantly. And it it makes me wonder, which I don't know if I can 100% back this take, but when I watch these movies, I do think with better directors, 
He's not the worst actor. He has some bad line delivery in some movies, especially his early stuff. But I, th- I think he's got some pretty compelling on-screen energy compared to a lot of these guys. Oh, for sure. I think you look at, I mean, even the movie JCVD, like self-titled, like that, that was probably his best performance ever, mm-hmm. maybe? I'd, I'd second that. Yeah, that was, that was very good. He, yeah. he played it real. Yeah. I mean, it definitely felt like, okay, here he is, Jean-Claude playing a version of himself. And obviously there's a lot to that movie. We'll have to talk about that in more depth later on. But yeah, I mean, that's a pretty personal story built into a pretty ludicrous, maybe not so ludicrous plot. It's kind of kind of groovy. But uh, also to Fred's point, like early on, he started being able to write or like have writing credits on the script. So he had input to his career. So like, yeah, for double impact, like that was a conscious choice to expand into showing his range, Mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah. Yeah. He's always doing something different. I mean, he also directed a movie, a movie that's super wild is the quest. Have you seen the quest? No, this is like his third or third big tournament style movie. And it's got Roger Moore in it and he directs it. And you have to watch like the at least the first twenty minutes of this movie because he's like in old man makeup in the beginning. Oh wow. And he beats up some thugs and then he's like, I have to tell you my story to the bartender. And then all of a sudden he's like a mime in France and like <laughs> back in the day. And it's it's the most ridiculous movie, but it feels like, oh, this was his passion project, this like epic you know, fight tournament movie and Roger Moore looks angry. He's in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Roger Moore was angry in a lot of movies he was in once his James Bond run was over. But yeah, I mean, this is really the, the thing that I think gets me with, with Jean-Claude is how much he's packed in or how many of those big movies, even he's packed into a relatively short career. I think when you tell all told, it's still less than 40 years. Well, I, I as found it interesting is like a lot of these uh, 80s actors didn't mm-hmm. get famous till their late 20s, early 30s. <laughs> so it's like you got to build up the skill or the muscle or the notoriety or or it was just a point in time where it was their turn. Right. You know, so, yeah, he was 30 years old when honestly, like when his career took off. Yeah. It's crazy. It's it's it feels Older, but not too old. Probably old in that day and age. I felt like everybody was getting big at like age 22 or 23, and they all look like they're 30. Um, just to double back real quick, I do have the number of movies he's played twins. So I'm going to have you guys guess the number and see if you can then name them. Well, and also we're broadening twins to uh, genetic science cyborg related yes. things, right? Yeah. I'm going to say six. It's too much, but it's. I'm going to say six. I'm no. going to go with four. I think that's right. Got three. Only three? I thought it was Only more. three. That's still wild, though. Yeah. So which ones do you think they are? Double Impact, Replicant, Don't Know the Third. Cyborg. No? Nope. What's the third? Maximum Risk. Oh. I that's the one I didn't get to rewatch. No. How many movies did you rewatch, Scott? I can't count. What? <laughs> no. Is it more than 10? No, I don't think I did that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I would lose count, for sure. <laughs> uh, I think I, I only watched two for the podcast, but I will say I probably put in a JCVD a year. Oh, yeah, for I sure. I get one in. 
I mean, I only watched Bloodsport for the first time, and I'm ashamed to say this, like two or three years ago. And that was like before we did our lockdown watch, right? Yeah, that was my second watch of that movie. But it changed my my whole perspective, I felt like, on Jean-Claude up until that point. So to go back to even to where you were before, Scott, talking about like, did it change perspective? I think I always kind of held him in like that corny regard. But then Bloodsport made me think, oh, wow, he can do a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, I rewatched that uh, within the last two days, and I was, you know, next to JCVD. That for a beginning actor, there's a lot he pulled off in that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's just very interesting to see. Just thinking about the, the fact that he probably did perform quite a bit of those feats. I mean, obviously, every time he does the splits, it has to be him. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of like that fact on like uh, Terminator Two that like when Ar- Arnold's carrying that giant like Gatling gun in that scene where they're in like um, what is it? what is the company called? Cyberdyne. Cyberdyne. Yeah. Yeah. Or Skynet. Cyber- Skynet. <laughs> what is Cyberdyne? <laughs> that that's something to do with Terminator, like. It's like the Cyberdyne Technologies, maybe? Maybe. But there's the whole fact of, like, so he's in the top of the building with this Gatling gun, and, like, nobody on the set could actually pick up the gun because it was so heavy, even though it was a prop. So he had to be the one to carry it, like, to and from the the trailers (laughs) because he was the only one capable of it, so. I think just, like, as far as, like, Bloodsport-wise, I think it's kind of the John Wick theory uh, of action. It's like... You get more out of it because he is doing the stunts. So, you know, like, you know, Keanu doing the training, uh, you know, so Keanu's face can show up when there's a throw. Right. You know, which is which is what you get out of Bloodsport is that that realism. No, for sure. Universal Soldier is the other one I haven't seen. That's a big one. Me either. That's on Netflix. Is it on Netflix now? I think it's on Netflix because oh. I was going to watch that. I still got to. Damn. Still gotta. I'll circle back to it. Then if if it's that available, I gotta do it. Yeah, I would say you definitely gotta go Time Cop, Universal Soldier, if you want to, you know, uh, get your bearings in again for JCVD. Yeah, definitely sure. Time Cop's one I want to watch. So for the movies you guys have seen, though, you know, just kind of starting to segue into our highlights feature here a little bit. I mean, what are what are some of the high points you feel like from the movies you have seen with Jean Claude, and like what are your experiences with him to date? you know, that you would say are the most memorable things about him and, like, beyond the fact that he is very agile, could do the splits and stuff, I mean, what is it that really makes him popular? I was thinking he's got just a likability to him. Mm -hmm. And is it a childish thing? You know, he just looks, you know, like a boyish charm. But he also, there must be some essence that comes through on screen that's catching his his desire to be, uh, you know, an action star, to be a movie star, you know, like his ambition early on to to get to this. This is what he wants. And, I, you know, maybe the camera's capturing it. Yeah, yeah it's not that uh, I don't give a shit attitude. It's I give all the shits attitude. It's like almost theater kid energy. Yeah, that is actually a very good point that you just did on that. Do you feel like there is some separation between like the level of where Bloodsport was or Double Impact versus like... Some of the movies, and Scott, I'm going to lean on you since you've seen a lot more of them, but, you know, around the era of the past 10, 15 years. Yeah, I think the past 10, 15 years, I think it's uh, it's the directors he's getting, personally, going back to Fred's point, is like, boy, just, it's a low-budget movie, you're getting a new director, and you're yeah. not putting much money into production, and... But you got John Clad Van Dam, who's going to get you uh, the views, mm-hmm. but you're not going to put money in anything else. So, 
uh, that's where I feel like the last few years, those those are the fault of those movies. Yeah, it's kind of like that director that we see in JCVD, right? When he's just like throwing the darts at like the Hollywood board. Oh yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah. That's that's probably mm-hmm. what he feels, and that's probably what was has been happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really just needs like the right director. Like for my highlights, like. Uh, John Woo makes Hard Target, and he makes a John Woo, Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, and that movie also has good casting. It's got Arnold Vosloo from, like, the bad guy from The Mummy, Lance Hendrickson, which is, like, my favorite, like, one of my all-time 80s guys. Yeah. He's the bad guy in it, and it's uh, the most dangerous game, like, that story, but modern in Louisiana. Wow. And he's playing like a Cajun guy, so his accent like works kind of. Yeah. Like, I always love it in movies, especially like Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, where they like add in like the quick bit of dialogue about why they look and sound like that. Yeah. Like <laughs> they really have to do extra work with JCVD's voice, but not his body. His physique seems like someone you might see, even though he's in amazing shape. For sure. As far as like, yeah, every movie you can notice they explain the accent. And, mm. But the workaround in Hard Target was, well, it's it's Louisiana, the bayou, everyone talks French, so we're not going to bring it up in this one. Exactly. <laughs> it's so it's funny. beautiful. Like, <laughs> like, we're not even going to address it. Yeah. Going back to, like, kickboxers. Oh. Like, so your mom went to Europe and trained you but sent kept me here in America, and that's why we talk different. You know, it was like and the they bring it up twice. Scene. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Like they had to like belabor the point of the fact that like he's not born and raised in America. It's it, like. Schwarzenegger's a, like mattress salesman in Jingle All the Way or something. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck are you doing here selling mattresses? Like, just imagine, yeah, like either of these guys as salesmen. Like, uh, you want to, you want the mattress today? Like, can I just see <laughs> you in the sleeper sofa? It's like, <laughs> this guy's not selling you furniture. There's no way. Well, that's why like Bruce Willis was always my guy. With oh. you know, speaking of these guys, but um, tip the cap to a. Yeah. a, a Good career. It's unfortunate he's not going to make a comeback at all, ever. For sure. It makes sense why he was making all these direct VOD movies. He's probably stacking some money because he's not going to be able to work for the rest of his life. Yeah, very sad. I mean, off topic, but related because, I mean, JCVD is also a guy who's, you know, he's a red box star these days, sadly. Unfortunately, yeah. It's like. I can't think of the last title that was big other than JCVD. And I was shocked to learn that was like 15 years ago already. So I remember that like hitting the film festival circuit back when I was at school and everybody's like, Oh, this is like John Claude's like best, you know, performance in years. And, you know, and and it was really refreshing to see him do something very honest to himself. I mean, we can obviously start talking about, I think, you know, some of the plots of these movies and stuff, but uh, you know, it's it's weird to start almost with JCVD because Mm -hmm. that feels like I, a culmination of everything else that led to that point versus what and I was, was. going to say, as far as like people who want to revisit JCVD, I would say do two of the B movies and then maybe a direct to video, then do JCVD just to put his career in context. Yeah, for sure. And then, and then go back into the 90s Van Damme. Or no, I would say, and if you really want a palate cleanser, uh, Expendables 2, he's the villain and he's great. Oh man, he's just great. <laughs> I have also never seen an Expendables movie. You two is great. <laughs> One is good. Three I've never gotten through. Wow, 
They're like hard R action. Is there anybody who wasn't in those movies? I thought that they intentionally did not invite JCVD to the first one. I like to think they were saving him for the villain for the second one, but maybe there was some sort of squabble or something. Mm. Yeah, I, I I think there was some type of conflict, but then yeah, it got resolved for two. Mm-hmm. Some, something mm-hmm. is going on, yeah. But he's one of the actual one of the older guys that actually plays a role in those movies. Everyone else just looks like you're gonna get me to stand here. I'll say a few lines and then mm-hmm. I'm out of here. Especially. Um, Who's uh, t- who's the guy we were just talking about? Chuck Norris. Yeah, he's very much plastered to like the side of the wall in that movie. It feels like I didn't even know he was in the Expendables. Oh, you <laughs> gotta watch one and two. They are very watchable. I don't know. There's definitely a piece of me that I think, even getting into this topic, that I realized I haven't been watching a lot of like the 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 big action movies recently like even the fast and furious franchise i'm very behind on so it's like it felt fun to come back and be like "Ooh, this is a tight 90 minutes hell yeah i'm throwing this time <laughs> tom tom when did you fall off on fast and furious i i've only seen the fifth one. <laughs> oh man i think i think five on are really fun and dumb i have never <laughs> seen one two or three but I've seen four through the end, and yeah. man, those movies are wild, and yeah. people hate on them, but it's a good time. Well, it seems like it's a good time. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that is that is what's fun, though, about Jean-Claude, though, is, like, you do come, you're just expecting a spectacle of sorts. Like, I do love the beginning of the JCVD movie. Where it's just like him going through like this big action scene. He's just nonstop, like, you know, kicking people through walls, shooting dudes, like sliding and stuff. And that's like the only like major bit of like typical Jean-Claude action you get in that thing. It's mm-hmm. wild. And it's um, it's amazing. And other direct like David Leach, I think his name is the guy who does mm-hmm. the John Wick movies. Like, he should be making whole movies that are action scenes with JCVD like that. I don't know about now. It might be a little harder. But yeah. then, obviously, you can cut together an action scene. Like, I think about Colin Firth and the Kingsman. If you can get that <laughs> British motherfucker to spin around and do, like, all that action stuff, you can get a dude who can still high kick on Instagram to right. come in and, like, make an awesome action movie. I want to see his Taken. So, uh, hot take. I was reading Ebert's take on JCVD, the mm-hmm. opening scene. He goes, that just goes to prove my point that all you have to do is hit your mark and then be an action star. So it's like, <laughs> which kind of explains how like some nowadays action stars, like a Matt Damon is an action star, you know, like, yeah, that's kind of maybe explains that away mm-hmm. a little bit more. Yeah. Cause it does kind of feel like that, right? They do have to kind of go through their motions a little bit. Um, man, but hitting your mark as a dancer is a lot harder than hitting your mark as an actor for sure. So going back a little bit further though, I do want to talk a little bit about those movies that we had mentioned kind of briefly kickboxer and blood sport and sudden impact, because I felt like those were almost genre defining. I mean, especially you talk about a blood sport and I felt like that kind of kicked off the whole even like video games, like if you guys think about that and like where all I could think about watching like Kickboxer and Bloodsport was this is the early iteration of the the game Street Fighter. Like 
and it's ironic then that he yeah, ends right. up in the the movie Street Fighter because that movie was not true to itself at all or true to the game at all. I mean, where do you feel like some of his movies kind of fall within the pantheon of like action movies? Yeah, I think they're uh, influential to all the you know uh, up and coming. Uh, directors like I'll even go with like Tarantino, Kill Bill. I know Tarantino mm. draws from seventies, but but it's a whole like so did Bloodsport. You know, draw from the seventies, and it kind of showed maybe how you can choreograph it good. Mm-hmm. You know, which maybe kind of influenced Tarantino. Uh, or I even want to not make sure we cover the Matrix too. Is like yeah, I feel like. The Matrix killed the genre. The Matrix was the pinnacle of this genre. Yes. You know, so I just want to, I just know it's, it all flows within there. Yeah, it was like video games and. Yeah. So I have not seen Cyborg or Time Cop, but it feels like that was sort of the first iteration we got of like a sci-fi martial arts blend in that regard. Is that kind of mm-hmm. right or wrong? I love Time Cop for that reason. Time travel, there's self-driving cars. I swear there's an early iteration of Siri where he connects it to a payphone and talks (laughs) to the phone, then gets data. Like, oh, my God, it's Siri, you know, or ask Google, you know. So uh, and then at that time, there was like AI or computers, you know, so that uh, uh, virtual reality computing, like one of the guys named Ricky, who is like in charge of. Uh, the pod that goes into time travel. Oh, sure. Like, there's this whole, like, VR scene in there. Uh, so, yeah, it was, yeah, it showed what could be possible. Man, I feel like I'm, I've missed out on Time Cop because that feels, like, such, like, in my, my zone. But for some reason, it's just never been available every time I've looked for something like that. And, and I think some of his second best acting is in there. Really? He just, he just plays real. He's a down-and-out guy, which mm. he seems to play really well. You know, you, you root for him. He's likable, but he's he's a he's a gruff cop. Doesn't want to take anything. Yeah, that is something I feel like we do get a little bit in JCVD. Then too, I keep coming back to that movie, but it really is like he kind of gets back to that down and out that he plays so well. Like mm-hmm. he he just seems like he's just kind of a as corny and like machismo as he was. He seemed like he's kind of maybe a sad person inside a little mm-hmm. bit, right? I don't know. Yeah, I definitely think I, what I like about that movie compared to the other movies or just movies that he's in now, I feel a lot of newer movies are trying to capture that like essence, like yeah. that, I'll say it again, cocaine energy of the 80s movies, <laughs> that they want to mantle that on his, like put that on his shoulders for newer movies. And when it kind of strips that away and just makes him a guy that's doing action, it's like definitely the most effective for me. Yeah. One hundred percent. And I was even kind of say I felt like there is a lot of people who are even trying to emulate that type of like self-reflection that the other end of the spectrum was with JCVD. I feel like all like the newest like action movies like, you know, Creed, like we see Rocky kind of just as like down and out like everyone's forgotten him. Right. It's just sort of like this is almost kind of like Sylvester Stallone's career in a way, too. And, you know, and then we see like a lot of young people. Like you got like your James Guns or Edgar Wright who are really ca- capturing that frenetic energy of like all these 80 movies that Jean-Claude did. And it's just like they're, they're a great homage, but nothing's ever quite in that vein. Even when mm-hmm. you're talking about John, John Wick earlier, Scott, it felt like 
there's such a clear separation between what these two things are trying to do. Yeah, it's the next iteration. I think, yeah, it's that action movie. Well, I, you know what I'm intrigued about is the new Everything Everywhere with Michelle Yeoh. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm intrigued what they're going to do with the action genre. So, like, it's kind of, you know, that's what I'm like, oh, is this a new iteration of the martial arts movie, but blending timelines and sci-fi and, like, you know, like, oh, you know, John Wick, you can go aside now. We got this. You know? <laughs> it's funny. I was never going to bring it up, but you brought it up. And I will say we saw everything everywhere at once. And I think that's Michelle Yeo's JCVD, yes, <laughs> which is okay. so funny to say, but it is. It is. Oh, okay. And it really is like that blend. It's almost like if you tried to John Wick the the Marvel universe like this, like it's, it's almost funny that that movie came out before Dr. Strange, because it really is like trying to do so much with the genre that I feel like it's almost going to be kind of ruined now that it's, <laughs> it added such a unique perspective and like a personal story in that too, which Benedict will bring that, but mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe not in the same way. Well, yeah. I, I figure there has to be another change to this current action yeah. uh, drama because, yeah, the, the Marvel Universe has run that dry. Yeah. And we just need a new take, which was which was the 1999 Matrix. Right. You mm-hmm. know, and we just need more story or more part in some of these uh, action movies. Yeah. And isn't it interesting that he kind of faded right around that time, too? And I think, you know, it goes to your point that it kind of killed the Matrix kind of killed that that type of movie where we're not looking for that. I always call it dumb action. You know, like Mm -hmm. there's something about the B quality of these movies that you can't get away. The ADR is outrageous. (laughs) Well, I'm sure for you guys, too, movies like this are also just like oddly comforting now. Like, yeah, that gritty 80s look with the bad ADR and synthy scores like that's just like butter sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Do you guys feel like there is a action star today that touches the level of like what JCVD could do? It's probably Frank Grillo. Really? He's a dude who's. Not a horrible actor. He's been in some big movies, but he's turning out. He's in these like red box movies, but he's also like in theater play movies. Like the other guy would be Gerard Butler. <laughs> Cause he's a guy who I wish did more acting act. I think he's a talented actor. Yeah. But yeah, I think those are the two dudes who live in that zone. Hmm. There's also another one who's has a movie Assassination Games with Jean-Claude Van Damme, and that's uh, Scott Adkins. Uh, he's got several ninja movies that are all I've found very fun to watch during the pandemic he's, for he's free. The, he's the lead of the most recent Kickboxer, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, what else has he been in? Not many pop... I think he's... I think he's maybe in starting to get like is he in Doctor Strange? I think he's, he's finally in something breaking Marvel. Into, I'm pretty oh, sure. Wow. Like, but but you'll see like oh he's a new guy, but you see he's he's been direct to video this whole time uh, doing martial arts movies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I find the essence of a younger Jean Claude in those, and he idolizes Jean Claude too. So, really? Yeah. So if you want to go like. Get that uh, 80s, 90s feel again, but maybe updated, but better budget, mm-hmm. better production. I think Scott, those Ad, Scott Adkins movies are good. Okay. He was in Doctor Strange. He was in The Expendables 2. 
And he will be in John Wick 4. Oh, man. So definitely a guy who's, who, you know, watch out. He was in Expendables 1, too. So he's probably like kind of the lower echelon of the Expendables. Sure. Because those are usually the young people. Well, it's interesting, too, that we even bring up like something like the Expendables and John Wick. Because it does feel like a lot of the big action stars now are no longer these 80s guys anymore. And... I think a lot of them are trying to emulate that. Like you were talking about earlier, Scott, with like Keanu is kind of doing his practical stunts. Tom Cruise is doing practical stunts, but nobody's doing it quite on that level that <laughs> it's like they're they're doing the high flying kicks and stuff. It's mm-hmm. just his his agility is really I know I was like, let's not talk about the agility, but that's really his defining skill. Like for sure. If you're going to make a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, you need a scene where he's in a room doing a split. And the female character opens the door. He doesn't notice. She <laughs> she watches for a bit, and then she closes the door behind him. And that's the end of the scene. I feel like that's scene. in every Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Uh, there's also a lot of scenes I call them the JC No BVDs. Uh, a lot of Jean-Claude uh, bare butt. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, it's always like, okay, I'm fine with that. Let's get back to the action. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's just got to show off all of his goods. He can't leave any stone unturned. <laughs> well, I think that's why I'm not in John claude Van Damme shape, because if I was, I'd be naked right now. <laughs> uh, I do have to laugh. In, in addition to explaining away the um, accent, like sometimes you'll notice in scenes they have to have like an insert of how he gets his shirt off. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. It kind of reminds <laughs> me like of an '80s movie where like the girl loses her blouse and is in her bras. Like <laughs> it's like the same thing, but with Van Damme taking yeah. his clothes off. That's so. like every like like what is that Porky's type movie or <laughs> every horror movie of the '80s? It just was a very unabashed time altogether. Can I just bring up something I noticed also with doing the research? Sure. There seems to be an arc to action stars. Mm. When you end up doing a buddy comedy movie with a budding comedian, you're on your way down. <laughs> uh, so I was like, Dave Bautista, keep keep going. I know Camille was good in Stuber, but just be careful, man, taking those other <laughs> roles where they pair you up with a comedian or maybe a Jennifer Love Hewitt or... Maybe a dog. Are you saying that JCVDs was him and Dennis Rodman? Yeah, that was definitely. Well, the <laughs> Rob Schneider one, I think, was the first Was he in one? a Rob Schneider? What, what yeah, knockoff? Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, that one was. Man. Rob that, Schneider made his way around with these guys, I think. <laughs> yeah, Rob Schneider is in a lot of action Demolition movies, Man, right? He had but then, a like, Jackie beat, Chan yeah. pairing with, uh, you know, for that, old, that's like Luke old. Wilson or Owen Wilson. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, man. That was kind of like, yeah, after, because even Rush Hour 3 just felt tired. I was like, are we done with these yet? Mm-hmm. And it came so late. Um, but that's a good point. Man, you go through the list now, too, and it just feels like everybody hit that point. Can so, you think of a current count comedian where you think it might be your death, you know, like if you're an action star? And, and we're, excluding, we're excluding, like. The Rock and Kevin Hart as <laughs> like that's like what it is today. I was gonna say, if anything, The Rock has turned that yeah, narrative on its head. Yeah, the Rock <laughs> is teetering on that midpoint. But yeah. I'm thinking like, is there a Cecily Strong type of like, you know, you get paired with her or a, you know some other Saturday Night Live person? Yeah, I'd say if you end up in a movie yeah, next to 
a Kyle Mooney or something like that. Mm-hmm. You, you're probably video on demand <laughs> first and I foremost. Was, I was kind of thinking of like, because this Hannah Einbinder, you know, from Hacks, she's yeah. on her way up. And I'm just like, oh, man, are they going to pair her with somebody? Yeah. You know, like. But then that ends up launching the comedian. Then, no, yeah, right? that yeah, that's a step like, up. You know, I you're love, going down. I'm going up. Yeah, I love the actress from uh, the Peacemaker show who was on Orange Is the New Black. Oh, oh yeah, she, Crazy Eye or something. Is that her? what I I've never seen a show except for Peacemaker, but uh, she is fantastic as the comedy in that. Yeah, she played Tasty on uh, Orange Is the New Black, and <laughs> I got every time I hear character names from Orange Is the New Black, I'm like, I should probably watch the show. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you got like Pusey, and you got Tasty, and you got Red. I mean, that's not that impressive, but. Uh, yeah, you're thinking of Danielle Brooks. That's yes. Her. That's what I was looking for. Uh, she's also, yeah, she's on her way up. But John Cena, another person who, it's kind of weird because his action movies are like comedies. So they used to not be. He had a few. I remember, like when he first came out, that yeah. were like real, like I'm in this movie and I'm a big action guy. <laughs> yeah, like I'm going to get this. <laughs> I used to be a marshal. I don't know why I turned into. <laughs> Liam Neeson right there. <laughs> I've turned uh, into a marshal. <laughs> I will find you. Um, but kind of moving forward here, so thinking about, I think even what we were just talking about there with what the future is, is there another JCVD comeback? And maybe this can be the kickoff of our coulda, woulda, shoulda segment. Well, I, I think this article is pretty new, but I did some research. He's got a swan song movie lined up. Oh. Yeah, and... Uh, so yeah, he's it's gonna be a a revisiting of apparently. So this is I, I'll share the storyline here. Yeah. So he's a he's he's an action star. Attends like a premiere, but is drunk. Leaves. Gets hit by a car. Gets amnesia. And for some reason, he can't remember himself, and no one else remembers him. So maybe like a yesterday type of thing going on. Whoa. So then I guess he has to. He'll guess he goes on and re, refights every fight scene to regain his identity. <laughs> uh, so it's I guess it's him playing himself and pulling from real life. But I think that's going to be his swan song. So I'm hoping, yeah, oh, we, wow. we'll get the rematch with, uh, you know, the in kickboxer, Hung Pao. You know, it sounds like it's probably going to be, I don't know if you. Well, to me, this sounds like a thing Hollywood does a lot where something works and yet this movie hasn't worked. So they make a whole bunch. This sounds a lot like the Nick Cage movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I wonder if, like, oh. now everyone's going to have a movie like that. And it all stems from Endgame, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we want you to go hit your greatest hits as, you know, a legacy character. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think oh, of that the scene in the trailer that uh, Nick Cage did. It's just He's just yelling. And it just made me think of, like, Gone in 60 Seconds for some reason. <laughs> Uh, my take, I don't know if it's hot, is that movie looked bad. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Nick Cage one? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, people laughed during it during the preview, so there's an audience for it. <laughs> I don't know what movie I was in. But I want to like it. <laughs> I wanted to, too, because I love that pig. We talked about the pig. Oh, I love pig. On the Oscar episode. But you don't think they're not going to have any pig scenes in that movie, and you know it. <laughs> yeah. No, if they have a pig scene, it's going to be like somehow like he and Pedro Pascal like accidentally butcher a pig. <laughs> <laughs> I like pig. 
bacon. <laughs> I just always think of the community bit where uh, Danny Pudi is like oh, doing I love this it. Nick Cage yeah. like rant. I'm a cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that Sean Claude movie sounds pretty wild though. Um, one of the bits that I was thinking about too is like. As we were talking about John Wick, I was like, is there a place for him in one of those sequels, too? Assuming that they keep going, which, why wouldn't they? Well, I so I have a very sore spot of why he hasn't been in there yet. Because, okay. Because, you know, it's all action generated, and the director, like, you know, he he's from the, you know, the kung fu, you know, background. Mm-hmm. So I think you just got to put Van Damme as, like, a janitor in the not the continental but the other place with the analog phones yeah yeah and like there's going to be a break-in in there van damme just beats someone up and that's the end you know just mm-hmm. just to give him his highlight in mm-hmm. there you know that's that's all i ask for to get him into the john wick franchise and give his nod to the martial art right you know? that's how they got common in that movie what was that too <laughs> it's just like they meet uh, common had a great role in the second one yeah i really like um the movies that uh, I can't think of his name right now, but I'll have it by the end of this. The guy who made Casino Royale has been making some like pretty good like adult action movies, mm. and he made like The Foreigner with Jackie Chan. Yep. And I don't know when we went and saw Everything Everywhere once. There was a trailer for a movie. I think it's a Liam Neeson action movie, but yeah. it's directed by the guy who did Casino Royale, and it's got like Guy Pierce in it. And so I have a right here. Martin Campbell. Yeah, Martin Campbell go. is a dude who makes really good action movies, and all I want is him to make a JCVD movie. No frills, no whatever. Yeah. Just like a guy in a situation. You don't need to make it that fancy. Don't add all the pack all not all the package all the baggage of his past 80s stuff all that just give me like a bare bones movie and i think i'll be all over that shit that's what i was thinking too do you think like shooting digitally if we give robert rodriguez steven soderbergh you know just give them the camera We'll get they'll get a good movie out of it. Mm. Michael Mann shot digitally, you know, and made it made the movie look great. And Rodriguez is a guy I thought of for Van Damme. Yeah, Robert Rodriguez definitely has like that that feel for yeah, like a, a set piece movie that I feel like a Van Damme would would really thrive in. Michael Mann would be a really interesting pull though. I'm just thinking, like, people who claim they shot on their iPhone, you know, uh, or, you know, or experimented with digital film, and it looked great, you know, put, get a good script and give it to a good storyteller, Yeah, you know, and I think, I think you could have, like, a comeback in a way. Definitely. Or I'll throw one out here, because I gotta tell the, I gotta tell the story, and I remember sharing this link with you guys. I want to see the Predator movie, where Jean-Claude was the Predator. Because that is like the all-time sliding door that I can think of. Um, you guys know know all about this? I know about it, but tell the pod. Tell the pod. Okay. <laughs> I, I feel like I should defer to Scott if he knows the story. Uh, I read something this afternoon that went deeper than your notes. But yeah. Oh. Share, yeah. Take, take the there's floor. Like, yeah, there's like, uh, like 20 different web pages you can find to like 
It's it's a big beef story, I guess. Yeah. We'll just like lay it out as the first thing is that originally Jean-Claude Van Damme was going to be in a suit and playing the Predator monster in Predator. Yeah. Right? And there's about 30 different versions of what happened, and they're all drastically different. <laughs> And so I'm very curious to hear what you read first, because then I can relay some of those. Oh, yeah. Okay. The one I read this afternoon was that uh, they changed the suit on him last minute. Apparently, there was going to be more just makeup so you could see his face. Mm -hmm. And I guess the character is going to be more like from Aliens with more maybe tentacles. I I don't. um, So so when the suit got bigger, he was given a pass to leave. By Joel Silver, I guess, something like that. So in that version, did he request to leave or was he fired? He requested to leave. It was like, yeah, it sounded like he was, you know, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm, or it's his choice to leave. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, that, that seems to be the consensus is that he is the one who quit. But I remember there's like versions where they got into like a shouting match and like he got hit by somebody and just stormed off the set. (laughs) <laughs> and there was just all these different like relayings that you know swore that he had it out with Silver like over this whole thing, and that like he had originally committed, but then decided he wasn't going to commit, and, and like nobody can agree on what actually happened, other than just to say that yep, that somehow the suit was like too warm for him, he quit, and then they completely redesigned the Predator to the one we know now. Which definitely feels a little more. I, I kind of see what they're doing. They're almost doing like the thing in like Princess Bride, where it's like Andre the Giant versus like Carrie Elwes when he's like you know real nimble and he's trying to take down a bigger you know foe with like Arnold. But uh, there's something about how big and intimidating the Predator looks in comparison to Arnold and just somebody who like somebody who looks like he could legit take him down like hand to hand combat. Well, also too, just for ego wise, like I wouldn't want to be the guy in the green suit when you're trying to be Arnold's equal, especially you know? so with I would Arnold, a guy who's like you're like the guy in the casting rooms probably with you, you know? Yeah, Still up for all the same roles. <laughs> I mean. Just imagine, though, if they made those sequels then with that type of Predator, all the different things that I feel like the franchise could have gone. Because then is Alien vs. Predator even the same thing, or is it... Well, by then it's got to be CG. Yeah. (laughs) But then later they'll come back to the real, because that's what it's all about these days. (laughs) (laughs) We get the origin story of the Predator. When when you said that for coulda, woulda, shoulda, I thought you would want him in the new Predator movie. Well, that's kind of where I was going with that. What if we did get that version? Like, he's, like, the ultimate Predator of, like, one that's not only a good hunter, but he's also, like... That's, I thought you were going to say, what if he was like a French trapper? Because it's like, because <laughs> so isn't it the Comanche Native Americans? That's the next Predator movie. I didn't know this. Yeah, it's going to take place. It's Predators against like a Comanche tribe, like pre, you know, like Native First Nations people against Predators. Oh. <laughs> That's how I was like, you could have JCVD as like a French trapper. Like, there you go. He explained I the could help you. <laughs> I come from France. <laughs> He's speaking bad English. I'm still though. speaking. Yeah. This is a good pelt. <laughs> so, like, I want to say, like, to have a really nimble uh, predator would almost be like I'd. 
It takes you out of it. Remember, like, Darth Maul? Darth Maul could have been anybody in Star Wars. Yeah. So if you had, like, a really good nimble uh, predator, like, would you even believe he could be beaten? You know, that, that's what I it would. And he'd have to die in a, some dumb way. Right. You need to, like, somehow sell the fact that Arnold or somebody with him was smart enough to, to find a way to, like, trap him and... We can believe that Arnold would figure out the mud thing of like, oh, he's tracking my heat, <laughs> but not like, oh, yeah, I'm going to develop some kind of like makeshift net, like Home Alone style. <laughs> um, yeah, that'd be an interesting one. I'm trying to think uh you guys got any other coulda, woulda, shouldas for, you know, like I just want to play on uh, his likability <laughs> and, and to like a point of like, I'm a fan of dumb comedies. Like, yeah. I wish he would have done a Muppet movie, you know, like I can just see him being in love with a chicken, you know, and like kicking Muppets, you know, like, I don't know. I just find that adorable and fun. That was maybe the last thing I expected you to say. <laughs> He'd be really good on just like a segment of Sesame Street. They're like talking to like Cookie Monster, like, oh, he like those cookies, but you should not have too many. <laughs> <laughs> and I googled that And they, those do not exist And I'm, I'm curious to find out I mean now I really want to see him Interacting with Muppets in some shape or form I think this is a very big missed opportunity I'm happy that He is a character In the new Minions movie I'm just happy he's getting that money Yeah, And I think he's playing like A play on his persona It's like uh, I got he's playing Jean-Claude, like C-L-A-W-E-D. Uh, so maybe he's a cat? That'd be pretty cool. That's clever. Can, can I uh, just share a beef that, like, when you guys watch Bob Odenkirk and Nobody, can, could you just think, why can't that be Van Damme? Do you guys think like that? Well, that's what I was getting with the Martin Campbell-style movie. That's what I want is just, like, a bare-bones, like, Dude's gonna mess some people up, and you shouldn't have underestimated him. Yeah, I don't need the splits anymore. I don't need any of that. I just think he could hold like a, like uh, I remember there was that Mel Gibson movie that was pretty bad. I think Martin Campbell made, which was Edge of Darkness, mm. and just like a revenge thriller where his daughter or son is murdered or wife. I hate to say yeah. it, but like I love like a Harrison Ford-esque 90s movie is what I want. I'd be okay if they replaced every current Mel Gibson planned project with Jean-Claude because he is doing the Continental. Mel Gibson. Oh, so there's your way to get Jean-Claude in the John Wick universe. That needs to change. I don't want to see Mel Gibson. That's going to ruin it. I would like to see him being Lethal Weapon with Danny Glover. Like, you think you're too old for this shit? Look at me. (laughs) I've been doing this a while. (laughs) That's like the that's the whole thing. He's from Brussels instead of (laughs) Australia. Is Mel Gibson's character from Australia in there? No, he kind of does a whole like American accent, right? Riggs, or no, he's not Riggs. Who is he? He's Riggs, because I always yeah. have to think, because Daniel yeah, Danny he's, Glover says Riggs. Yeah. M- Murtaugh. Yeah, Murtaugh is Danny Glover. Riggs uh, is Gibson. Okay. Yeah. He lives in a trailer home down by the ocean. <laughs> I used, Man down by the river. <laughs> I used to love those movies so much. They were. Um, <laughs> one last uh, coulda, woulda, shoulda I have, and it's kind of a fun piece of trivia in with it, is since he was in that bad Street Fighter movie, him doing Mortal Kombat would have been interesting because the character of Johnny Cage is actually based on Jean-Claude in real life. 
So they put that in the game universe. And I tried to find some information on whether or not they tried to cast Jean-Claude as Johnny Cage in the first movie, but I didn't see anything that supported that. That could have been something I made up, but I always thought that was the case, was they tried to get him and they couldn't, but I just made that up. (laughs) I mean, maybe there was probably a quick conversation, because he was still pretty much at the peak of his powers in 94, 95. Yeah, that's probably just uh, someone trying to cash in on what he does, but not use him. So you actually have to forgive me, guys, because I did just double check the fact. And it turns out Jean-Claude was actually offered the role of Johnny Cage, but turned it down to do Street Fighter instead. Also a fun fact, Steven Spielberg was also supposed to be in Mortal Kombat as the director role that looks conspicuously like Steven Spielberg, but also had to drop out due to other commitments. So we missed out on some fun castings in that movie. But uh, that being said, had Jean-Claude had the foresight of knowing how Street Fighter would perform versus Mortal Kombat, which is maybe marginally better, guessing he would have uh, probably picked that. I know they like... I think they showed a picture of some random actor at the end of the new Mortal Kombat movie that teed up Johnny Cage. Mm. But that'd been cool. Like if they make another one of those, just have him be old Johnny Cage. And maybe he's already fought in a Mortal Kombat and have him as like the old wise character. Yeah. Instead of uh, what's (laughs) I just want to hear him say character names like he did in Street Fighter. Like. Like, you have to watch out for Shao Kahn. <laughs> and you have to watch out for Shang Tsung. And just the the butchering of every syllable that comes with each of these character names. But you know who is amazing in Street Fighter? Rao Julia. Mm-hmm. Man, he is taken too soon. I haven't seen it. I'm just, I just have a feeling he did great in it because I know he's a great <laughs> oh, actor. So I rewatched that one recently, and the beginning was cringy because it kind of reflects dictatorship and yeah you know it's like oh my god like is art you know replicating film or is it the other way around like, right you know, it's like we're all like uh you know dictators just the same you know, yeah i mean there is something that's like i feel like my even modern dictators kind of parody what we think of as a dictator in some way right hey and you know dictators love kickboxer or blood sport <laughs> <laughs> well, at least Donald Trump does. Uh, <laughs> and that's where I was like, did Donald Trump just ripping off the screenplay of Time Cop? <laughs> like, like, is that how he got these ideas? Because he oh, talked about so it. much. I got to see this movie. <laughs> God. But that would, that is something, though, too. I mean, I always want to see the Putin bucks get into circulation here. <laughs> you just imagine just like Putin and Trump watching Bloodsport, just like getting real excited eating McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> I could do that. I'm going to do that. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah. See, this kind of brings it full loop, though, because even thinking about the movie Street Fighter and thinking about that was my first exposure to Jean-Claude. Here he is, you know, French accent playing a very... Hardcore. I mean, he's an American character with an American flag on his bicep. Like, it's kind of like, okay, something's off here. <laughs> but then the the final scene is him going face-to-face with Raul Julio, who is just dancing circles around him in terms of, like, acting chops. And it's like, this guy is terrible. 
And then you look at him in other movies, it's like, oh, that's just kind of not the right role for him. Like, I, that whole movie is just woefully miscast. Well, yeah, <laughs> too. It's like Raul Julia was dying and Jean-Claude was on coke. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> there's just a tone problem there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything. Yeah, we, terminal illness and cocaine aren't like good scene partners. No, like, yes. proven. We did get Ming-Na Wen, though, in that one. That was pre-Mulan. In that movie, uh, yeah. So that's that probably gets us through some could have would have showed us. Unless you guys think we missed any. Uh, I just want Liam Neeson to throw some scripts to John Claude. You know, <laughs> that's what I've been saying this whole time. No. I'm just like, why? Oh, why does John Claude have to go direct to video and Liam still gets Cold Pursuit released? Mm, yeah. I, know, I, like, I think uh, I stand by. I think the biggest takeaway for me is. That he had a thing in the 80s, and they just kept trying to pin that thing throughout his whole career instead yeah. of transition into, like, like what we saw in a great movie like JCVD, Another Side, you know? Like, yeah. yeah, careers can change, and if you approach it, like, he had a show on Amazon that ran two seasons, I think maybe even three, called Jean-Claude Van Johnson. I watched some of it, and... It's all dealing with his legacy, which is not enough to support a show. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's... He really was... Not a one note. Because he kind of reminds me, and, and uh, forgive me if you guys don't pick up on the, the sports uh, metaphor here, but like Bo Jackson, in that like he could do so many different things. I mean, he's like an 18-time like kickboxing champion, or, or like he's like, got like an 18-1 like professional record. It's something crazy. Plus, he's this actor, but it felt like he was so of the moment that, like, once the moment was up, he just sort of, like, faded. And people were like, oh, remember that guy back in 1991? Boy, what a movie time cop was. Like, you know, and it's just, like, it's not like John John Wick to where it's like, okay, Keanu's like, oh, man, Matrix was great. But now we have this whole new series where he's back and he's kicking ass and he's uh, A-lister again, pretty much. Yeah, if I think he would have had a better career if in the '90s he was able to pick more projects that were like elevated adult thrillers, like an Air Force One. Yeah. I'm not saying he should have that role as president. <laughs> no. I am the president. Get off my plane. But you know, Air Force One is a action movie starring a older Harrison Ford, where he doesn't have to do much action, yeah. and it's amazing. Yeah. Like that's the kind of role you he should have been taking instead of like. I'm going to get kickboxing in all these movies and it'll be about this, you know, like if he just put his hands in good directors, even just like a John Woo or the last one I'll throw out Paul Greengrass, like oh, oh yeah, like the born guy for some real tactile, you know, up close stuff. I would love it. No, I mean, there's definitely some potential there. I'm still stuck on the fact of like them trying to have to like make a reason why he's speaking with a French accent <laughs> as the president of the United States in Air Force One. <laughs> I was also a former kickboxer. And a reason to get his shirt off? <laughs> so the UN, like, they're having a meeting, but the AC's out. <laughs> There's no way Gary Oldman would have signed up for that, knowing that it was going to be his counterpart. Um, yeah, this is good. Let's get into the power rankings to start getting ourselves to the end here. I wanted to ask you guys uh, for this week to rank the top three moments for Jean-Claude in any of his filmography or outside. I don't know if you guys are fans of his kickboxing tournaments. Mm -hmm. I did not watch any of it, but I'm sure there's clips. Uh, and I, I just want to hear where you're at on that front. Like, What, what really defines him? If you want to pick a whole movie... 
give me a whole movie, but I just want to hear one, two, three. So, Scott, you want to kick us uh, off? Yeah, I'll kick off. I think uh, I was trying to think back on moments like that stick in my head, you know, and I and I like rewatching the movies. Like, oh yeah, that was pivotal. Uh, going with number three, uh, in Hard Target is the ending scene mm-hmm. uh, where um, he has a grenade and he put it down. He puts it down Lance. Hendrix's pants and then he kicks him and Lance Hendricks and he goes hunting season is over and then uh, Lance Hendricks dismantles the uh, grenade but keeps the fuse too close to the grenade and he goes <laughs> whoop and then he explodes so like that was like, like the biggest cheese movie but it's like so fun you that's know? amazing uh, and then my second one that I really remember is like he does the splits in Time Cop hmm. where he's sleeping and then he gets someone breaks into his apartment with a with like a taser gun with with like, uh, you know, like has electricity mm-hmm. and there's water spilled on the floor. So Jean-Claude has to jump up between the countertops, do the splits. The electricity hits the water and then electrocutes the guy who shot it. <laughs> and so I've always thought, oh man, I gotta learn how to do the splits in case someone tries to break in, and or or I would just practice doing the splits in our counter in the kitchen. You yeah. Know? So that's like a memorable memory for me, just how he had to choose that. And then uh, I think just blood sport, you know. And I'll go with the ending fight. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, like I was rewatching it, and like he plays blind in the end. Uh, yet he's doing roundhouse kicks, right. so so he's not looking where he's gonna hit, and he's doing roundhouse kicks and like not hitting the guy. Mm-hmm. So like, just think about how hard that is to like maybe pull off. Yeah, you know, uh, Pacino played blind in a movie and got an Oscar. <laughs> so like Van Damme, he didn't have to do any roundhouse kicks in that movie. <laughs> so so give you know that that's a good performance. So those are my three like stick out in my head uh, i am a little flabbergasted you just compared chocolate to al pacino but <sighs> Hoo-ah. Hoo-ah. hey uh my, this, <laughs> what's the what's the bad guy's name jong uh chung lee right Chung-Li. yeah <laughs> he's got a great ass <laughs> <laughs> i can't even go for it you haven't met me <laughs> all right fred <laughs> pick us up get us out of this um, I'll, I'm definitely going to be more vague because this happens all throughout Hard Target, which is probably my favorite, like, throw on one to watch next to Sudden Death. Hard Target, he wears a duster the whole time. He has a mullet and it's got like a Marconi style score, him walking around Louisiana. And when he does his kicks, he whips his duster. Oh, wow. That is it. That's that's just like my favorite thing. The duster whips and there's little like. Um, I would say I love in sudden death. There's a lot of like hockey related puns Mm -hmm. and it's another great. uh, Oh, this makes sense. Why he's here is he's a security, but I think he's an ex French Canadian hockey player Mm -hmm. who. You know, got a little too rough. He's pretty much Happy Gilmore in that yeah. movie. Um, and then third is going to be that opening scene of JCVD, the action scene, just because yeah. it just oh, yeah. shows the potential on the screen. Man. No, that's all pretty good. I need to see uh, 
sudden death too. I just there's too many. I sudden death has powers booth as the bad guy, another oh. great like eighties or nineties bad guy. He definitely never phones it in, I'll say that much. Mm-hmm. When he shows up, you're getting a good good work put in. Uh, those teeth are doing half the work though. The powers booth just like big old front teeth just coming at you. Yeah. Oh, God. But I do enjoy very much that opening scene in uh in JCVD. There is just something too the the choreography that went into just a five minute span that just basically ended at that point and you're like you're not getting a John Claude movie. Do you think movie. no cut in that? Do you think it was one cut, one scene, or do you think there were cut? There's probably edits in there. Yeah, I think it's sneaky edits for sure. Because even like all those Daredevil fights are like in pieces. Yeah, there's they're very cleverly cut, so it doesn't yeah. look like it. Anytime they like, if I was like aiming at Tom. And I like cut across to you, and there's a wall behind you, and it's just bare wall. That's how they cut it. Like anytime they spin around, there's just a shot of wall. Yeah, that's just a cut you can take. <laughs> um, no, that's that's a uh, that's exactly how I'd look at it because I'm just thinking of like, oh, well, I can't remember what I was watching recently. That's what I'm stuck on. Is like I just saw this recently. Somebody did like this incredibly long take. And, I, like, and all I could focus on was like that was a cut right there. That was a cut right there. I do it all the time. It was an HBO <laughs> show. I know I can't pick. Was it True Detective? It wasn't True Detective. Okay, because they I do like, one in there. That's the granddaddy for me of like one shotters. Yeah, that True Detective scene. Have you seen that, Scott? Uh, I don't remember it if I have. You don't even have to watch the show. The show's great, yeah. but just watch was, that one shot. It's amazing. I think it Tim might have Robbins, been Peacemaker. Did you watch Altman, Tim Robbins, The Player? No. See, that's like a, I think that might be a one shot, but it's crazy. Like there's different, they go to different locations and different characters. Altman's famous and, for that, yeah. Yeah, so that, that one was bizarre. It goes on for like 10 minutes, not 10 minutes, but it felt like 10 minutes. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. Wow. The player is on my movie list right now and it's not streaming, I don't think. Yeah, I just need to do a lot of Altman. I'm very behind on him too. I think I was thinking of Peacemaker though. I think there is a scene. Oh, yeah. I can't think of the episode. That now. end fight is a oneer. Yeah, sure. That's it. Yep. And I'm pretty sure that's where I was like, yep, that was a cut. That was a cut. Mm-hmm. So for my top three moments that I got here, um, I'll go from three to one because number three, I love him ducking Forrest Whitaker in Bloodsport. And just like the cheesy music that's playing as they're chasing him all over the city <laughs> and he's hopping from boat to boat and then Whitaker and his buddy just go into the water in Hong Kong. Um, I don't know why that just felt like that was such a playful moment that he he played off so well. He always looks so cool every time he makes like a quick jump under a yeah. bar or something. Yeah. He like puts his hand on his hip and yeah like waits for them yeah and i'm fun. just like i didn't feel like he was ever this playful outside of the the famous dance scene and kickboxer mm-hmm. i mean screw it we didn't talk about that i'll put that as number two it's worth like a gift that everybody uses right and like it's just such a especially knowing the context for that now <laughs> for the moment he's supposed to be hammered in that movie and then dudes just start coming after him immediately as he's like done dancing it's just Ludicrous. He plays a terrible drunk, which is is hilarious. Yeah, his accent gets better. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) He's like, it's actually, he sounds normal. It's like Ozzy Osbourne when he sings. (laughs) Uh, And number one, also didn't get mentioned, I'm surprised, the speech in JCVD near the end. Yeah, that that deserves it. It it was on a long list for me. Yeah, and I hate to end on a somber note. I mean, the whole 
the whole movie of JCVD is kind of a somber note in a way, but it just was such a personal story. I mean, I think it's a great kind of like crossover point here to even just put some finishing touches on him in general. Like he's had a rough life. Like for somebody who has it all, he really didn't have it all. Like it sounds like he has three kids who doesn't might not have a great relationship with struggle a lot with drugs and alcohol. Like, four or five marriages like that's crazy it's elizabeth taylor level mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet it's just still out here just putting in his work every day i mean does that add to him a little bit to know that he had all these kind of personal demons but oh i think when you wrap up the chapter it'll it'll mean something to, to whoever picks up the man or like whoever may it appreciate him later or yeah whoever's watching turner classic movies 20 years from now like will appreciate <laughs> what he had to go through to put those performances on the screen right yeah i well i'll just repeat the bruce willis thing recently put in perspective for me when i kind of like hate on these like 80s dudes who like just churn out like you know rental movies nowadays i just Really, you know, when you put in perspective of things, just kind of like, yeah, it's probably nice being, you know, rich and being in movies, but some of those dudes definitely put up with a lot of crap and went through some hard stuff and, you know, just, you know, you don't know everything. Yeah. It's kind of the end thing. And like, you once you hear certain things, you can put it in perspective and you're like, oh, okay, that's why or whatever. Yeah. I definitely have chilled out when I like judge like the red box thing. Right. No, and I mean it's it was refreshing candor to hear him kind of talking about that too of just like yeah, he's like and I know that it hasn't been good because he's clearly in that moment of that movie not talking about him in the movie. He's talking about him in general and I'm like he did, probably wrote part of that scene. He had to have, right? Like or off the cuff, yeah, or something improvised it and then wrote you know, kept improvising, take down key points. You know, yeah, it's definitely. That's a heck of a movie. I I was very, very bummed that I didn't catch it earlier on, and and uh, like years ago, because that yeah, that's probably the last great movie I think he's done, unless uh, Expendables two. <laughs> Expendables two, yes. Uh, well, I want to add for my best things in Expendables two, and it's not really a spoiler. But I'll tell it anyway. One of the people they thought they could make work as an action star was Liam Hemsworth. And oh, he's in yeah. Expendables too. But get this. He dies in the first half hour. And he dies because Jean-Claude Van Damme gets revealed as like the big baddie. One of his hench guys, like he's got Liam, ne- Liam Neeson, Liam Hemsworth on his <laughs> knees on the ground. But he's a super tall dude, so he's like chest high. And one of the guys is holding a knife to his chest. The guy lets go, and Jean-Claude Van Damme does a spin kick and kicks the knife into the guy's chest. Oh, wow. Into Liam Hemsworth's chest. So, That's like, amazing. I'm not being gross, like, ha get that, Liam. But when you watch it, you're like, oh. Jean-Claude's going to do kicks in this movie. <laughs> and he does a few good kicks in that movie. Him and Stallone have a fight. And, I mean, what more do you want? <laughs> That's pretty good. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll amend it. And I don't think spoilers are needed for movie. It's 10 years old at this point. No. But I will say, you don't have to watch all the Expendables. I think one is good. But if you're going to watch one, two is good. And it's good JCVD. Yeah. Two, it sounded like to me, was like everybody who didn't get in the first movie was like, come on, let me in this one. And mm-hmm. they got everybody that one. That's that's good. Um, anything else that we want to add to any talk points on Jean-Claude Van Damme? 
Uh, you like how I say it with an accent every time <laughs> I say his name? It feels like the right thing to do. It does. If not, I guess we can move on to just our ending here. Scott, anything you want to plug? Oh, um, uh, yeah, I guess uh, just coming up, you can uh, <clears throat> catch me at the Interchange Theater. Uh, look for Team Tina. Uh, that's what I'll be performing in mostly. Um, and I also uh, just want to plug uh, smoked paprika. Just put it on your table next to the salt. <laughs> put it on some dishes. I don't know. It's underrated, but it's delicious. Well, a son should spend time with his mother. That's what I always say. <laughs> it's, uh, it's smoked paprika. You can find it at your local grocery store. <laughs> Uh, Fred, anything that you want to plug? Uh, I don't know if this will be dropping in time, but I will be in a show April 30th, and it will be a PowerPoint presentation improv show at the Interchange Theater. Yeah. Uh, come go check it out, interchange.com. I will also be in any Tina shows coming up. I'm in a couple different things, so just go on the website, interchange.com. And, uh, yeah, get tickets. All right. No, that sounds good. And then we should be dropping in time. I think this will be about 10 days out from that. So keep an eye out for tickets on interchangetheater.com. Uh, and for me, I will just plug our buymeacoffee.com slash SOTF. If you are liking the programming and want to donate and help us keep the show going, we're really just going to invest it back in the equipment and the show itself. Uh, that's so any couple bucks will do fine, but you're not obligated to. And hope you're just enjoying the content. Scott, thank you so much this for coming so out. This is so fun. Thank you. I love yeah. talking Jean-Claude. Not to myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you actually had an audience for this one this time. No, we appreciate you coming out. And uh, stay tuned for next time. We have a special Star Wars surprise coming for May the 4th. We'll be doing an episode on Star Wars video games. So we're going to ask you all to submit your favorite video game to us once more, same as the Oscar episode. Uh, this time we're going to give you a couple places to reach out to us with your voice messages, and we are looking for voice messages. You can email us at stateoffthefranchisepodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word, stateoffthefranchisepodcast.com. Or you can call 262-424-8462. And we'll be looking forward to hearing from you then. Thanks for listening to this week's episode, and we'll see you next time. Peace.